Mark chapter 15. And today we're going to look at this statement and find out why it is that it's disturbing, but also find out why it is that it brings peace. And it might be today that there is somebody in this building that needs to understand all that Jesus has done for you. I don't have time in this message to talk about the the height and the breadth and the width and the, the depth of all that Jesus did for us. We don't have time to deal with that today. But today I'm hoping that somehow through this word you will begin to see how important the crucifixion of Jesus Christ really is both to your life as a believer or if today you walked into the building you can honestly say in your heart I I really have not accepted Jesus Christ into my heart to uh, allow Him to cleanse me of my sin and to purify me of all unrighteousness then today I would hope that by the end of this message by the time this meeting is over you will take time in your heart to repent of your sin and come to a loving living everlasting wonderful Savior but the Bible says this in Mark chapter 15 and verse 24 it says simply this and they crucified him and they crucified him I'm going to stop right there there is another part of that verse of scripture but I want to look at this scripture from this verse or this statement from the side of it being a disturbing statement and the way that we're going to do that today the way we're going to see this is we're just going to see those three little words they crucified him and we're going to see how first of all these three words should disturb somebody on the inside once they hear it first of all they who were they in this part of the scripture who were they what 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 is being talked about or who are the people that are being talked about they were the ones who should have died they were the ones who were part of fallen humanity. They were separated from the Father because of their sin, but they did the crucifying. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to recognize today that they is not just the Roman soldiers on that particular day, but you and I are part of the they that are in this verse of Scripture. We have to look at this for a moment while they, in the story itself and in this passage, refers to the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders of the day. Those soldiers and the religious leaders represent you and I. It's an amazing thing. There are a whole lot of people who are religious today, but they have yet to come to a living vital relationship with Jesus Christ. There are people packing into churches this morning and they know nothing about what it is that Jesus has really accomplished for them on the cross. He died on the cross so that they could be free from their sin. He died so that they could go free. The they in this picture are those who are full of rebellion, full of hatred, full of jealousy, 
full of doing their own thing, full of pride. They are the ones who are going after whatever it is that they want. They are the ones who crucified him. And brothers and sisters, before we begin to feel that we are sitting here today as believers in a little bit different category, I want you to think back about what you once were. Paul took a little time in the book of Ephesians to talk about what those Ephesian Christians once were were before they came to Christ. And he talked a little bit about how they went away from, they did their own thing, they they fulfilled the desires of their flesh, whatever the dictates of their bodies were, they just followed after it. They went after it, they operated on their own instincts, and they did whatever they could. He said, but now, in Christ you have been made free. But now, in Him, you have been set free. Brothers and sisters, you and I were part of the they. It was because of us that he was crucified. You might be sitting here today, you might say, well, you know, I come to this church, and because I do, I'm okay. Your coming to this church does not make you okay with God. What makes you okay with God is when you come to the foot of the cross and you confess your sins. To him, not to a man. There isn't anything I can do to cleanse you today from your unrighteousness and from your sin. There's absolutely nothing that I can do. But it's only the Savior. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The they in this is disturbing because it gives us a picture of who we really are on the inside and what it was that we have done to bring Jesus to that place where he suffered and he died on the cross for our sins. You are part of that they. I'm part of that they. There isn't anybody in this room today who can stand and say, I stand on my own merit. I stand on my own power, on my own strength. There isn't anything that you and I could have ever done to earn the right to be His today. It is all because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not much has really changed. People are still doing their best to crucify and destroy Jesus. The godless will always try to stamp out God's greatest gift to mankind. But there isn't anything that can change history, folks. There is nothing that can go back and change the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. You can't go back and undo history. You can't go back and rewind it and delete it and get rid of it. It is still the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross. For they, he was put there by a group of Roman soldiers and religious leaders of that day. But in the end, brothers and sisters, he went there because of you and because of me. All the sin, all the degradation, all the going after whatever it is that you want, all the empty promises that sin just seemed to put up in front of you and you went after and you said, yeah, that's, that's where life is. That's where fun is. That's where it all is. And yet in the end, you walk home as empty as what you were before. Why? Because there is only life that is found in Jesus Christ. You are part of the they. But I have good news for you. The they can also bring about peace. And we'll get to that in a moment. The Bible says this as well. It says they crucified him. 
Crucifixion was a horrible, horrible, torturous death. During the time that Jesus lived, crucifixion was one of the most feared punishments, most dreaded of any means of death that may come. It also was also a means of punishment reserved for the worst criminals in the land. Innocent people did not die on the cross. There were specific rules and laws that applied in that time that were exercised by the Roman government. We look at the cross on our wall today and you know, somehow we feel just a little bit removed from the pain and the torture of it all. This is a, a hand-fashioned cross. Somebody put it up on the wall and it reminds us of what it is that Jesus did. But we don't really get the full picture because that is such really a beautiful cross. It is, it is very symmetrical. It, 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 the lines are, are straight. It's made out of straight boards. But if you were to look at a cross during the time of Christ, you would find something that is very rugged, something that brought fear to the heart of any individual, and it was reserved only for the worst criminals of the day. This ought to disturb us because there is absolutely nothing that Jesus Jesus did to ever deserve to go to that kind of a cross. He did absolutely nothing to deserve it. This was purely a Roman execution and a Roman type of punishment. The Jews did not exercise crucifixion. But why was it that in that day they wanted Jesus to be crucified? I am certain that it probably was not only because of the agonizing pain that Jesus would experience when he would die on the cross and when he would suffer and when he would be, feel the torturous pain go through his body, but it was also shameful, or at least they thought, that it was shameful for anyone to die on the cross. Listen to what the Bible says. It says this in, in Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. Also in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, Cursed is any everyone who hangs on a tree. It would be the highest of all insults for Jesus, a Jewish man, to hang on the cross. Not only was it a statement of how much they hated him, but also it was a statement recognizing or showing how much they understood that they believed that he was a false teacher. They called for crucifixion. They said, crucify him. You remember the scene as they stood out there and, and here Pilate is, is says, I, you know, it's customary at this time I'm going to release one of your prisoners. So, Here's what we have. We have Jesus over here whom I, I really don't find any fault in him. There's nothing that I can discover that he has done wrong deserving of crucifixion. And here we have this, this man named Barabbas. A murderous thief. So who is it that you want? And all in unison they shouted, Give us Barabbas. Set him free and crucify him. Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you today, it boggles the mind what can happen when sin is allowed to rule and to reign. Listen, the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They were ready to welcome Barabbas, a murderous thief, 
Oh, with open arms and send an innocent Jesus to the cross as they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. What a disturbing scene that had to have been to be in the crowd that day and to realize that Jesus was absolutely innocent. You've got to imagine that some of those same people who were shouting crucify him had at one point or another seen Jesus in the midst of the crowd when that little woman who had the issue of blood had pressed through the crowd so weak and so frail. For years she had spent all that she had on doctors and the Bible says that she didn't get any better. In fact, she grew worse. And yet she pressed through the crowd and instantly as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, as soon as she reached out and grabbed hold of it, the Bible says that she was strengthened. She felt strength grow through her body and instantly she was made well. You've got to imagine that there were some in that crowd who were shouting, crucify him, crucify him who maybe was even present on the day that Jesus resurrected his friend Lazarus. You've got to imagine that there might have been a few in the crowd on that particular day shouting, crucify him, crucify him, who had seen blinded eyes open, who had seen those that had been lame from birth all of a sudden running around, jumping and leaping, who had never been able to use their legs. All of a sudden now they had strength in their legs. And yet somehow it's so disturbing to think that they're yelling, crucify, crucify. Listen, all the stuff that you and I go through in life can't even begin to compare to this moment. Can't even begin to compare to what Jesus Christ suffered for you and for me on the cross. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But the last part of this statement that disturbs is the word him. They crucified him, I've already touched on this, but this is probably the most disturbing part of the statement. Because when you think about who he is, that it's referring to, who was this him? It was Jesus. The perfect, holy son of the living God. He did absolutely nothing wrong. Was he tempted? Oh, we know he was. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. Never once did he give in to the temptation. I, without a show of hands, without anybody raising any hands, I want you to think about the last time you gave in to temptation. We've all done it. We have all come to the place where temptation got the better of us and we gave in to sin. But never once did this Jesus who is now faced with the cross. Never once did he give in to the temptation. Never once did he disobey the Father. Never once did he go against his Father's will. Never once did he come to the place where you could say that you doubt his perfection. Never once. He was the holy, righteous, living Lamb of God, and yet now... He was there dying on the cross in your place. He was on the cross for you and for me. You and I should have felt the nails puncture our skin. 
We should have felt it go through the tendons and, and, and past some of the bones in our bodies. We should have felt the struggle of the pain of the cross. And yet, brothers and sisters, you and I did not because somebody decided and chose that he would come down and he would be the one to die in our place. If you want to really know how horrible sin is, I encourage you, read Matthew 27, read Mark 15, read Luke 20. 23. Read John chapter 19 and begin to see how horrible sin really is and what it does. It drove the Savior to have to die on the cross so you and I wouldn't have to experience that kind of suffering and that kind of penalty for sin. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. I have a renewed gratefulness in my heart for all that Jesus has done. I have a renewed gratefulness in my heart for the fact that he died for me. He died for me. Listen, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were still hostile toward God, while we were still shaking our fist at God, while we were still out doing our own thing, while we were out doing our own thing, Jesus loved us enough to come to this earth and die for our sins. While we were yet sinners, he died. He died. But this same, same statement should flood the soul with peace. How is it that the same statement is so disturbing and yet can also bring peace? Let's back up a minute. Go back to the word they for a minute. And I want you to see that they, though they crucified him, John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, record for us an exchange. You're not too far away from the book of John. Why don't you go there? John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. And I want you to listen to this interchange between Pilate and between Jesus. And though they crucified him, you've got to see that Jesus in all of this had the power. Here's how, what's, what goes on. The Bible says this, John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. In other words, Pilate, you think you're the one with all the power here. You think you're the one right now who has all the power and the upper hand. But you need to understand that that power has been given to you from above. Not only that, the Bible lets us know that Jesus willingly laid down his life for us all. In other words, we look at the they and that and we think they have all the power. But they really don't. Jesus willingly gave his life. It wasn't taken from him. They thought they had the power to take his life from him. But Jesus, brothers and sisters, was born to die. That little baby that we celebrate every Christmas 
that was being held in the arms of Mary came so that all mankind could understand the forgiveness and the great love of God. He came to this earth so that there could be a crucifixion. Jesus was born to die. He came from heaven to earth to give His life, the Bible says, a ransom for many. It was a gift that was given by Him. It wasn't taken from Him by them. He gave it. He willingly laid down His life. I'm not worried about the they in this Scripture anymore because I've come to the cross and I recognize that my own sin put Him there, and yet at the same time, He willingly did it. This is the great love of Almighty God that Jesus willingly gave His life for you and for me. Oh, the Bible says they crucified. Crucified. How in the world can you get anything peaceful out of this? Just hold on. The horrible nature of sin was shown by this horrible death. It wasn't your death. It wasn't your death. It wasn't my death. The grace of God was such that it would be Jesus who would die in our place. Think about that for a minute. We're going to read. I'm going to read something to you in just a moment about what Jesus went through, and this is from the perspective of a medical doctor. This has all been confirmed about what it was that crucifixion victims would experience. But all the pain of the crucifixion was felt by Him, not by you. You wouldn't have to feel and go through it because, again, He willingly laid down His life what really took place. Let me read this to you, and I want to read it so that I don't mess anything up. But this is described by Dr. C. Truman Davis, who wrote about the crucifixion of Jesus. Just listen, if you would. Simon of Cyrene, who had been ordered to carry the cross, literally the patibulum or the horizontal beam that is placed uh, on or that the, the victim is placed on, he is ordered to carry that, this heavy, heavy piece of wood. But he's ordered to place it on the ground. Jesus is quickly thrown backwards with his shoulders against the wood. The legionnaire feels for the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy square wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood. Quickly, he moves to the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some flexion and movement. The patibulum is then lifted in place at the top of the stipes, the vertical beam that goes up and down. The left foot is then pressed backward against the right foot, and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each, leaving the knees moderately flexed. The victim is now crucified as he slowly sags down with more weight on the nails in the wrists. Excruciating, fiery pain shoots along the fingers and up the arms to explode in the brain. The nails in the wrists are putting pressure 
on the median nerves as he pushes himself upward to avoid the stretching torment. He places his full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the metatarsal bones of the feet. At this point, another phenomenon occurs. As the arms fatigue, great waves of cramps sweep over the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps comes the inability to push upward. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but cannot be exhaled. Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get even one small breath. Finally, carbon dioxide fills up in the lungs and the bloodstream and the cramps partially in the bloodstream and cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself upward to exhale and bring in the life-giving oxygen. Hours of this limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. Then another agony begins, a deep, crushing pain in the chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress the heart. It's now almost over. The loss of tissue fluids has reached a critical level. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to gasp in small gulps of air. The body of Jesus is now an extremist. And he can feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. His mission of atonement has been accomplished. And finally, he can allow his body to die. How is it possible that those gory details could bring peace to a heart? What about that brings peace? And it is simply this, that you and I deserve to experience every single one of those things. It should have been us. It should have been us who died in such horrific, torturous pain. But it wasn't. It was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was the living, loving, gentle Savior. It was the one who came to this earth and said, I will die in their place. It was that one who said, I will be their substitute. I will be the one who will go to the cross because he was the only one worthy because he had never sinned. He was that spotless, that spotless lamb that was required of the Father and brothers and sisters you and I should have been there but we weren't, I don't know about you but that floods the soul with peace today thank God we don't have to experience that thank God the last part of this that brings peace is the hymn all of this was from him 
This is the greatest part, in my opinion, of this whole sentence. He was the one who loved you and I so much that he took our place so that we could understand that his love today is limitless. You say, you don't understand what I've done in my past. You don't understand how bad I've been. I don't have to understand. I know that we have a Savior who went to the cross for every sin that has been committed by mankind. Listen, though the world invents more evil, the thought occurred to me this week. It came over me as a, a, like a flood as I began to read in Romans that the Bible says where sin abounds, great does much more abound. Why? Because there is a powerful Savior who said, I've come to loose the chains of mankind. The sin that plagues a man no longer has to plague him. The sin that plagues a woman no longer has to control her heart and her mind. But instead, she can be free because He went to the cross. It was Him who did the work for you and I. You and I don't have to try to earn it. I was reminded just by something that I saw years ago when I went to Mexico City and I was standing outside the, one of the basilicas that is there, one of the largest ones. And I saw how the plaza, they, it was marble. Nobody ever has to clean the marble on that plaza. No one. Because day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, you will see, and I saw it with my own eyes, I saw men and women crawling yards, 50 yards if it, if it was. I don't remember exactly how far on their knees, all the way on that hard, hard marble, all the way across. It had been shined beautifully because of their crawling, thinking that somehow their doing that was going to bring about an appeasement of God. Listen, brothers and sisters, God's judgment has already been satisfied. I don't have to crawl on my knees a certain distance to earn the favor of God anymore. Don't you don't have to do that because Jesus Christ went to the cross. He willingly laid down His life. That spotless Lamb became your substitute so you don't have to earn it. Bible says that it is by grace through faith. It is a gift of God so that we don't boast about what it is that we have done. Listen, you, you can't do anything to earn salvation. Say, Pastor, you're preaching to the choir today. I don't know that I am. I don't know that I'm preaching only to believers this morning. But even if I am, you've got something to be able to tell somebody. Somebody that you're witnessing to. Somebody who says, you know, I've done so many bad things in my life. Nobody could ever forgive me. And I'm here to let you know the grotesque nature of the cross lets us know there is no sin that He cannot free you from. There is no difficulty, no problem that He cannot deliver you from. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to believe that there is a power that is greater than anything that you and I see around us. And the power is that of the power of the crucifixion and the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 12 verses 2 and 3 sum it up. Both the disturbance and the peace in one verse. Turn over there just before we close. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 2 and 3. It sums up the disturbance and the peace in just two verses of Scripture. It says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author 
and the perfecter of our faith. Now here it is. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 2, the middle part of that says, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. What kind of joy would it be to cause Jesus to endure the suffering that I just read to you about. This from a, a medical doctor examining what the body goes through during the time of crucifixion. What kind of joy could there be? The only joy that I can think about and that I can think of is this, that you and I would be free. That he looked at us, he loved us so much. And it brought such joy to his spirit, to his heart, that he would literally go to the cross so that you and I could be free from our sin. That brought him joy. And it brings you and I joy. Brothers and sisters, without the cross of Jesus Christ, where would we be? Listen, where would you be today? Think about it for a minute. Think about what you once were. Think about the places that you used to go, the danger that you used to be in. Think about how your life might be different. Or you might think about this, how it is that your life might not even be here. You might not even be around because of what you once were. But because of His great love for us, brothers and sisters, you and I are here today. We are present today, whole and made well and made clean. And listen, though it brings rejoicing in our hearts, I was challenged this morning, and Julian mentioned it. It was interesting that he mentioned about his friends and, and, and the pity that he felt in his heart. And the same thing happened to me on the way to church this morning as I just looked around people on the street and realized that there are those who need to know the love of Christ. They need to know what Jesus did for them on the cross, how much it was that He really loved them, and how it is that He went through such suffering and pain so that they could be free from their sin. They could be free from the fear of death. They could be free from those things that cause us to feel as though there's no way out. Listen, if you find that you're wandering away from Christ today, I'm here to let you know and to serve notice to you that today, Today is the day of salvation. It might be that there is the enemy who is trying to steal away from you your salvation. And maybe somewhere along the way he's gotten in. And he's been able to just somehow wedge something into your life to make you feel like you can't make it. I'm here to let you know there's a Savior today who says, I am for you. And I'm going to help you to win the battle if you will come to me. And you will give your all to me. Give every part of your life. Can we stand to our feet this morning.